This is the Lost Start of Communication, hosted by Molly and Trisha. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Lost Start of Communication podcast. Today's guest is a self-taught artist and first-generation Mexican-American named Areli Cardenas. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, we are so excited to have you on. Um, I personally have met you a couple times through my partner. Um, I have your artwork hanging up in my apartment. I don't even think I mentioned that. It's on my water <laughs> bottles. Um, little fan here, but it's really exciting to have you on. And I'm so excited just to hear about, I guess, first we can start off. How did you get started in art? Yeah. So I think like many children of America, gratefully, I was able to color. I loved coloring um, when I was little and I was uh, really looking at like what artists are like in my family. And I had a, a first cousin that like painted, but there was never really like a big introduction. But I was a kid that was into Disney. I just loved animation. And like the closest thing I could get to was coloring. And so um, the reason I say, luckily, I was able to color, I learned a few years ago, my mom told me, you know, she grew up in Durango, Mexico, and she said that she didn't grow up with color crayons. And that's something that just never kind of triggered my mind, right? And so I was like, what do you mean? And so I remember one time we like laid down, I went to go get, you know, the 64 set of crayons from like back in the day. I went into my cupboard and I'm like, let me teach you about primary and secondary colors. Um, And that's something that I learned in like, high school, right? Uh, middle school and stuff like that. Just growing up, um, just really playing like with the color wheels. And so when I started painting, transitioning, I was able to teach my mom, but I started painting in high school. Um, I got into, I think it was freshman year. I got into just doing like still life. And then I would finish before everybody. And then I would do my friend's work. And then I would like, so they could pass, but I just had fun painting. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then I went into like APR and I just had a really cool teacher. Her name was Mrs. Lifeham. Um, my junior year, senior year kept painting. And then I kind of went to college, didn't go to art school and then picked it back up in like 2017, like started going hard, like full time again. Um, and yeah, I started my business, started my business uh, early 2018 and I haven't stopped. So that's a little story. So I just say, yeah, I started coloring. <laughs> I think that's crazy, like thinking about, so your mom didn't grow up with any art supplies, like mm-hmm. at all? No, neither did my dad. And so I think because, you know, growing up in really remote, we call them like pueblitos, like pueblos, like it's not city life, you know, and the the only thing they can get is if like something she would say is like if kids would get color crowns, if they came to the United States or even puzzles or certain toys, people would bring them back from the U.S. sometimes because of how remote it was where they live. Um, same thing with my dad, he was the eldest. Um, and rather than him staying in school, I think my dad told me he went up to fourth grade because he would have to go work. My mom went up to sixth grade. So it was just a matter of whatever resources were available to them, then they got to enjoy it. Other than that, unless it wasn't, unless it was gifted to them or someone let them borrow it, they didn't grow up with art supplies. So. That's what's very interesting. I think I was like born with this. That's how I feel like. I just loved it so much, you know? Yeah, I mean, I've I've never sat down and thought about the privilege that we have of growing up with a box of crayons. Like that's something to think about. And that's really cool that you got that opportunity and then just ran with it. Oh yeah, I feel lucky. (laughs) 
Yeah, I've never <laughs> considered the cultural implications of access to something that we consider so basic and simple. Mm-hmm. So obviously, based on that, it doesn't sound like you had this artistic history in your family. Was there something that helped you gravitate towards it or really just the feeling of coloring and creative expression that way? Yeah, I think it was the second part. I mean, I, I remember my first introduction, if I could say, like thinking back, I remember I was probably eight years old and one of my mom's friends came to visit. And I, I know a lot of people are aware of Frida Kahlo. Yes. Mm-hmm. So like an artist and um, she brought a really, really big book. I just remember it was like a really big book with so many pictures and my mom's friend was a storyteller. So she got into telling her story. She had read her like biography. And I remember like, this is really cool. And I was just always so intrigued at how someone can start with a blank canvas or page and see their interpretation of what a picture is. Right. And so I think that's why I always gravitated um, to painting versus photography. But photography, you know, there's different edits that you can do, but I was always really intrigued where you can sit a still life or a model in front of a room of 40 people and their interpretation of what they're seeing, because I feel like it's connected to their mind and their creativity. And so really, I think that was like my first intro, like, oh, that's really cool that this woman created portraits of herself and things of from her real life, which resonates with me, because for the most part, I paint things that I see or that, you know, um, people around me and things like that. So I feel like that's the commonality I have. But I I became in love because once I started painting in high school, I would notice how I would zone out. It was just my relaxation and get lost. You know, I would forget to eat. I'd, all of a sudden it'd be nighttime. I want to be like, turn on the lights. Like, why are you stressing your eyes? You know, and it's like, I would just get lost in it. And because I didn't have anywhere to really draw or even paint because I wasn't allowed to paint at the kitchen table. I would always paint on the floor when I was in high school. So there was something about getting really intimate. I didn't have an easel either. Like that wasn't stuff that I felt the privilege. I could even ask my mom to buy me if that made sense. So I kind of just painted on the floor. So I got really used to getting really up close and personal with my paintings because I was just like in it. And so um, now that I'm older, I bought such things like easels for myself, but I just fell in love. It was like my happy place. No matter what, I could go back to it. You know, it's always there for me. Have you um, have you seen the new movie Soul? Yes, I have, and I what the heck? love it. <laughs> yes, I love Soul. Sorry for my frog voice. <laughs> okay. Soul was so good, and that just reminded me of that when you were talking about getting into your oh, zone, yeah. like you know that visual that they create of the zone. Like I just pictured you on the floor painting, <laughs> and then like going up in in your zone. Um, that's amazing. I think, um, and then what you said about just having a mirror into somebody's brain when they're doing artwork, like that connects so much to me to make communication because you're able to see how their brain Mm -hmm. works and like what they're interpreting out of the world. And I wish like, I don't know, I'm just thinking out loud, everyone could do art so we could see visually how they think and then how we communicate Mm -hmm. with them. Um, And I think that's just a beautiful thought to like, and think about, about art. Let me take that a step further. Yeah. We're talking about communication. Mm -hmm. I feel that when I tell people sometimes that I paint, I'll get the, oh, that's really cool. And then I get the follow-up of like, I can't do that, right? And I feel like that sometimes relates to communication of like the wanting to, but psyching yourself out to not even express yourself, right? And so I feel like sometimes what I would wish is like, I'm all about like, say it into existence. And it's like, you can't do that yet. Like, you know, some people, like if it's not their thing, it's cool with it. But I definitely always encourage people like just try 
definitely just try and just see what you come out with. And, and the point isn't for it to look identical to mine. The point is to make it look how you want to. And then if you don't like it, keep going, you know? And so that's when people, even there's people that are like art enthusiasts. And I'm just like, just do what you want. Like, just try it. There's no wrong way of doing things. I think there's only, it only feels wrong because you're trying to mimic what someone else's expression is. And, and it's, it kind of comes back to just be yourself and do and say what you want, you know? I love that you say that because I think to Molly's point of, oh, I'm just not an artist. It's Art is a form of creative expression. Everyone expresses themselves in some way. You do creative things, Molly, even if it's not sitting on the floor <laughs> painting and in a, that sort of more formal artist way. But what I really love that you pointed out was the fact that this woman that had brought over this book and it was all about telling stories through the art. And so I'm curious if you could talk a little bit more about that form of expression and how even an image can convey a story. And sometimes I think the gift that artists really have is they can take something that me, I'm more of a words person. I could take, I could write about it and it would be fine, but, or speak about it, but to put it into an image would be a little more challenging. Whereas I feel really talented artists have the ability to take a story or evoke an emotion with just an image. So how does that is the storytelling something you incorporate into your work? Oh, yeah, most definitely. So I'll answer the first part, really going back into time, because I haven't thought about this. So my, my first language was Spanish. And there's something about, and I'm bilingual, but still there are words in Spanish that I'll be like, to this day, what does that mean? Even in English, I'm like, so what exactly does that mean? Because I've always balanced in my head two languages. And I was like, can I just perfect one? Because I'm still trying to just kind of get by with both sometimes. And so the storytelling happened in Spanish. And so I think that's different because that's my roots, right? So I think if someone would have came over, even as a child, and their storytelling about Frida Kahlo in English, the narration would have been a little different. Even the translation of life is different, right? Like what was her primary language? What did she express? She spoke mainly Spanish, even though, you know, later people learn a little English. But I think my mom grew up storytelling, she would always tell me stories when I was a really little baby in order to get me eat, to eat. She would tell me stories and I would open my mouth like an awe. And that's how she fed me. And so that was my thing. I love stories. If y'all tell me stories, I'll sit there and listen to you. I love stories. And so I think when she sat down and it was kind of like another thing I didn't grow up with is like my mom reading me a book. You know how it's very common for parents to sit down and read a book with your child. I think this was something that Although my mom didn't pick up the book, she did the storytelling. Her friend came over and did something different that I had never been really exposed to outside of school was to sit down and have this book in front of me. And she kind of knew the book and she was speaking to me. And so this was me kind of like listening, but I was just captivated with looking and speaking about the different places in Mexico and like, oh, that's that fruit and this is that animal. And even like there wasn't a sense of censoring themselves, even of Frida Kahlo's pain, which was just so kind of cool. Cause I think adults just get caught in storytelling that they don't censor their, themselves. And so I think I appreciated that too. And so that resonated with me that someone was in, in, in growing up in a household where we're encouraged to just ignore it. You'll get over it, ignore it. We were talking about an artist that literally put the most vulnerable pieces of herself for everyone to see. And that was different for me. And it was like, the I think it's like, if I think about it, it's like the very beginning of someone kind of 
giving me permission to just be vulnerable, have pain, as dramatic as that sounds as a little kid, but I think it's still, I still feel it today. Um, and then to get to the, and then sorry, I totally forgot your second question. The, the last part. No, that's okay. I, this is all so fascinating. <laughs> I think what I'd asked was how do you incorporate or do you incorporate the storytelling into your art today? Yeah. So that's something, you know, when I was vending and this is something that I miss because everything was so personal to me, I would literally be like, hi, nice to meet you. Like come into my booth. If you have any questions about any painting, like go ahead and just ask me, there's a story behind every portrait. And then they'd be like, oh, and so someone would casually just be like, so what about this one? They weren't ready to stand there for five minutes. I'll be like, so let me tell you, you know? And so I would just narrate and it was just, it was something that's so personal. It takes me, you know, I don't paint quickly, but there's so much detail and intent and so much emotion that goes into my paintings. And the storytelling is what has had me connect with people on Instagram or they continuously like will comment, oh, it's looking good. Or like, I miss your time lapses. And I started building a sense of community. I went from, you know, all I did was go back and forth to work. I used to commute a lot for work. Um, to intentionally making time after work and on the weekends to do the vending events because I was most excited, not so much of like, oh, I'm going to sell and make money. It's like, oh, I wonder who I'm going to meet. And I've met like really cool artists through this experience and now dear friends. And I know that without vending, that wouldn't have been um, as organic. I, I mean, look where we're at today, right? That wouldn't have been as, as, I guess I could say, I don't want to say it wouldn't be possible, but it wouldn't have been such a beautiful story to really connect with someone through conversation. That's so interesting because I feel like a lot of times artists can lead a very solitary life just based on what you were saying before of getting lost in your room for hours and hours and hours, not talking to anyone, not doing anything and being perfectly content. But I love the fact that you've been able to establish a sense of community through your art so I'm curious if you have any tips, especially for people now that those vending events aren't really happening in the midst of a pandemic and how you've been able to sustain your community or what artists can do to build that for themselves. Yeah. So something I've been thinking of trying, I have some friends, example, if you live in your neighborhood, I've had friends set up little boots right outside their driveway. So many people, even though when the pandemic hit, there were so many people taking walks outside. So I know people were like creating stuff and just kind of sitting outside. And I walked by, I walked by a few uh, this past summer and people just kind of vending. Um, so if we are doing things in person, events are slowly coming back. So if I could stick to that and then we'll go virtual. Um, I think it's very important for an artist as introverted as we like to be. If someone's taking the time to kind of walk up to our booth, acknowledge everybody. Even if they just glanced over, and be like, hi, how are you doing? Like, like, how's your day going? Like, let me know. Like, these are the products I sell, all created by me. And something, something, they'll connect with something on the table once they stop. Like, oh, you know, I, I did a piece that has like the Zia symbol from New Mexico. I've had people, people buy those pieces or stickers off of me because they're from New Mexico. They're like, oh my God, that reminds me of home. Oh my God, that looks like my mom. You know, and so just having moments of how they're connecting or like, oh my God, I really love roses. Or like, I like the way you painted that heart. Like, I'll take that, you know? And, and it, it, they're, they're not getting it because 
it's just art by me, but it has a little piece of them. They see a little piece of them. And I like that connection. Virtually, I think I've been intentional where I had some friends that I've met either through, I got to meet them in person, but you'll connect with people because their followers or their friends, you know, someone might repost you and their followers and their friends will like start following you. And I would tell people like, Hey, like I got approached, like, let's do like a giveaway. Like we're going to do a virtual, um, it was like a virtual like vending event. And we like the person running it, um, is Artes Luna, he he made like even a little collage of like our fake boots with our logos and there was like promoting going on. It was earlier in the year and there was like a, a boatload of us and the agreement was that we were all going to donate something. And then I think we had over a dozen free gifts. So anytime someone bought something from us like that Sunday or weekend, they would enter a raffle to get something free from the artist. So what was happening was that when you collaborate with people and you do these giveaways, their followers are like, I'm going to buy something and I could raffle off. And sometimes people winning have never even heard of you. Right. And so it's all about that type of promotion. So never be afraid to do like a giveaway or collaborate with people. And I like to see a lot of small businesses have been have been doing that since the pandemic, you know. It's been so cool. I follow you on Instagram and I've seen all of your art and your time lapses and all of that. And I think you do a really nice job connecting with your audience. And I feel like when I'm watching you like <laughs> slowly put out the um, progress of your art, I'm like, wow, yeah, that's awesome. Keep going. I want to buy it soon. Um, but I want to talk about like just how you connect with your people through your art and how I personally, when I see your art, I feel like it's very approachable. Like I can connect with it, like you were saying. And I think art sometimes has the stigma of being unapproachable and like snooty. And um, I don't know, I think you do such a good job of making it accessible and feeling like it's something you can connect with. So how do you do that? And how do you choose the art that you make? Yeah. So I think, I think I say this time and time again, I doing this when I decided to like make a business out of like my craft, my passion, I had to be vulnerable, right? So let me be vulnerable right now and say these last few months, I was going hard in the beginning of 2020. And then these last few months, I was like, well, where am I going to take it now? And it's okay to have those moments. I don't think I've talked about this. Let's talk about it. So this is me being vulnerable, right? Like I'm slowly creating because my space shifted, right? I went from living in my own place I would be painting literally sometimes at three, four in the morning. I'd fall asleep, wake up at two, paint for two hours. Like I just, it was my groove, right? And so moving, now taking that step to like not live by myself, <clears throat> move from my space of so many years, I'm finally finding my groove and my footing. And so it's okay to say, I haven't had many ideas because I don't want to create just to put out. If I'm not connected with what I'm painting, it's not enjoyable. And I didn't start painting to have a business. I started painting because it, that was my therapy. That was my first love, right? And so I think um, I think that's important, um, being able to be vulnerable. And I think when I just kind of put myself out there, if I could just say something very intimate, it leaves the person listening to me being like, oh, shoot, okay. And so then they start telling me a little bit about how they grew up. They start telling me a little bit about 
why that resonates with them. And then all of a sudden they came to get a print and it's like, so what is your social media? And like, thank you so much for that story. Or like, oh, that really inspired me. Um, or me even being able to connect with some of my people that I meet, I'll get ideas from having conversations. And so I've had people ask me like, hey, would you ever quit? Cause I've been, you know, on social work, social justice. And I'm like, no, I can't. Like my people connection is what inspires me, you know? And I very much stayed focused around close women around me, Latina women, uh, that would inspire my paintings. And then when the pandemic hit, I kind of took it and just started creating weird ideas, right? So when I'm painting uh, my little cholo dog and like this like scene of like Dia de los Muertos, like Day of the Dead. And I, I was like, I wanna incorporate like um, my grandpa's little Virgen de Guadalupe from his tombstone. And like, it was just, it's so intimate. and. Unless you talk to me, you might not know some of the stories or little things that I hide in my paintings. Um, the other one that I did was Toxic Sweetness. That's the one with the sunflower, little bees flying around. And there are so many elements. And I tell people, just talk to me. Talk to me because you'll know the story behind the painting. And a lot of my artist friends will agree. Sometimes the stories is what sells our work. It's that people connection because they're going to be able to continue to do that storytelling. And I love that because that's how I fell in love with art, you know, through the storytelling. So I think we can, I, I can draw things and nobody please take offense. Sometimes people are like, Hey, can you do this? Or can you do that? Right now, the point in the life that like where I'm at in life, this is my journey right now. And once I feel like I fulfilled and I've released everything that I have in here, I'll be able hopefully, you know, to take on commissions and be able to do more work like that. But right now, especially where I'm at artistically, my style is changing. You know, I'm, I'm going to release more vulnerable pieces of me that I haven't yet. And so think of my paintings like my diary, even without the words, that's my expression, you know? That's so beautiful. Like, I think I think about this a lot of the times recently I got not recently I guess a year ago I started really getting into Brene Brown and vulnerability and how you have to be vulnerable in order to get vulnerability back and the fact that you're doing that through art like that's the greatest modality and you can just create those connections through that and I think that's such a beautiful way to think about it that it's your diary and it's your most you know secret cherished pieces of yourself that you're putting out and selling to the world and that in itself is so vulnerable so yeah yeah yeah, earlier when you mentioned artists being introverted in my head, I'm like, it to me seems very scary. And to put out something like that, that is so vulnerable and it's you're exposing your deepest emotions. So I do just want to clarify for our listeners, do you have, is because you mentioned you have this art business and then you also mentioned your day job. So can you talk us through what your, what your life looks like and what you do for work when you're not running your business? Yeah, so um, I have a background in uh, sociology. I did. I got my bachelor's sociology with the concentration in criminology. I really wanted to be a probation officer. That's not. That's not it no more. <laughs> um, it was all about changing the world, but really understanding even how we grew up, right? Thinking that um, policing was a way to like help the community. And I think the more educated I became, um, I went to go get my master's to justice studies and just really looking at the social work that communities that were like out there, just all the businesses. So um, my fresh out of, fresh out of college, after I got my master's, 
Um, that's where I work for an agency called the Like Fly program that focuses on helping young people, you know, get through. We, they have different programs. So through mentorship or creating programs where they're giving back to the community, it's working with young people and providing these experiences. Simple as, hey, I've never been ziplining. I'm going to take them ziplining and show them a fun, sober experience all while hope, helping them get through school and possibly off probation. Um through that experience, I just felt like there was more work and seeing how, you know, a lot of people under the age of 18, there's so many services. And I had through through my many resources and different agencies, we collaborate, you know, when we're in different nonprofit sectors and currently work at somewhere called Year Up. So they're all about what we call the uh, closing the opportunity divide. They're intentional about placing um specifically minorities, um, young people like that. These tech companies are in our backyard and they believe that people from the community should be employed at these companies and they should have access to work at these companies. Um, and sometimes college isn't for everybody. So they provide some type of vocational training and they put those young people in these um, tech companies. My role right now is uh, internship, internship service, internship services manager. So long story short for Silicon Valley, like San Jose area, um, I oversee interns and make sure that they're on this trajectory of professional career, but then also talking to them about like imposter syndrome, right? Like, I think that's why I like having this job um, because I'm coming from a place of a cultural competency, really leveling out and understanding people's backgrounds. A lot of first generation, like not even, not so much college students, but just first generation, even finishing high school, right? Um, and just being able to have that relatability of just talking, talking about like, hey, it's okay that your parent doesn't understand the trials and tribulations that you're facing. But if they're pushing you, they do care about you. They mean well, they just don't know better. Um, and so what I really appreciate about what I've done, me learning about like, um, post-secondary trauma, just all these things. Like when I'm having these trainings on how to help my clients, I'm healing. I'm like, oh shoot, do, do I have traumas that I'm harnessing? Or like, why am I triggered today? And so uh, currently, you know, I'm working with young people still. So 18 to 24, I did like the transitional age youth. Ultimately my goal where I'm at, and this is where I need to figure this out. I want to train people. Like I want to have a higher touch. Like something that I've learned is that if I could sit in a training room and educate people and work with them and address, like I said, sometimes we need to address our, we need to take care of our staff. You know, we need to address what they need to heal from. It's been crazy working in this field during the pandemic. There has been so much going on and there are so many more people. We talked about vulnerability sometimes waking up calling me and telling me so-and-so passed away over the pandemic, you know? And sometimes it's natural and um, sometimes it isn't natural, right? Things are, people are losing their lives every day. And that's just something that I'm balancing all this emotion from work. And sometimes I just couldn't talk about it. So I would just turn on my music and paint. And there's just so much that I'm like, you know, with certain family members, it's not, like I said, it's not that they don't care. They're doing their nine to five, something completely different. And I'm basically cultivating emotions and I'm helping someone prepare for their career, but I'm very intentional about checking in with the person. And sometimes when you, I've done this job for so long and people are like, you're just so strong and you got it together. Sometimes I crumble too, you know, and 
people forget to check on the strong ones. Don't forget to check on the strong ones. Um, because that's, I think that's why I, I went so vigorously into my nights painting because I needed to heal from everything I was absorbing and I wasn't really talking to anyone. Um, so it's all kind of intertwined. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> no, that really is a lot. And I think thinking about how your work is so heavy and I think putting it into your, do you ever integrate it into your art? Like all of that kind of heaviness from work? Yeah, it's not literal, but yeah, it's, in there. it's definitely in there. I think yeah. um, doing the piece, like when I was doing like the, I was doing my Cholo Scunte, like I was doing the cemetery with the dog. There was a lot of bereavement conversations I was having. I was also like reflecting on my loved ones that had passed away. It's heavy. And so when people look at it, they're like, oh, like I love the colors or like, oh, that's really cool. And it's like, oh, people don't actually know what I was feeling or times that I had to stop painting because I was like, okay, I'm done. And so um, something, something that helps me, believe it or not, when I do black and gray, I try to minimalize it a lot because I thrive in color. Like I like to have more color in my paintings because those actually like release some serotonin or something. Like, I'm just like, Ooh, this makes me feel good. Or, Oh, like I'm happy, you know? Um, and so if ever, you know, I'm painting a painting and I'm in that black and gray mode, I'll, I'll pause and I'll be like, I think I need to jump into some color really quick to lift up my mood. It's really, I, yeah, I love that because it's, so many thoughts here. And one is that you're taking a moment that for you is very heavy and very sad or very negative, And you're transforming that into something that is going to bring so much joy to someone else. And so one, you're healing yourself by creatively expressing yourself and getting those emotions out, but also in turn, you're really helping someone else. And so even if you're like, oh, they have no idea what I was feeling when I painted that, like, maybe that's, the point is because it's just bringing them joy and you're turning your hurt into something really powerful and positive. And I think it's interesting too, because when you're painting, I'm sure it's more of your subconscious at work than the conscious mind. And so when you catch yourself, like you said, using the, the grays and the blacks, like then you realize like, okay, something is going on here and you have the ability to make that shift to color, which I would imagine helps rewire the subconscious to be in a more positive space. So I just think it's really a cool thing to think about and something that we should all analyze. Why am I doing this the way that I'm doing it? And what benefit could be coming from my trauma, my hardship for someone else? Well, I Love think that. you do like you saying that it, the art that you're creating interprets how you're truly feeling. And maybe you don't even know that at that time. I never even thought of that. Like when people talk about like artist therapy, I think about like how you get in that zoned out really beautiful state, but I never thought of it as like, Oh, I didn't know I was feeling this way. And that's how I'm, you know, creating this art. And I think we talk a lot about on the podcast, our own self awareness and self discovery. And it's that piece too. So do you have any suggestions or advice for people who want to start using art as a way to start discovering more about themselves or any intro exercises or anything like that? Yeah. So I'm going to start off with like anyone's looking for permission or like, I need a sign. This is it. I give you permission, like start it. Sometimes what happens is that we might talk to like family and friends. Like I said, people always mean well, but they're not, they're not on our vibrancy. Like they're not where we're at right now. And you don't need permission and like to run it by someone. I'm thinking of doing this. 
write it down. Talk to yourself. I think that's important sometimes. So you don't come across someone that talks you out of it. Because I had people being like, oh, can't make money off that. That's not a, you know, we probably heard that. You can't, that's not sustainable or like, oh, like, you know, you just got to focus on work. Like, no, you know? And so I think that's why it prolonged me to like do what I needed to do. Um, and definitely I think do what makes you happy. If I think that's something we touched on again, right? Like don't, you don't have to copy. If something inspires you, like, yeah, like make a vision board. Like, I think those are fun, right? Grab a magazine, rip things out. Maybe you don't have a magazine, like go online and print some things out, some color schemes, um, things that inspire me that I like to do. So always stay in touch with mother nature. You can't get stuck in that room, take a walk. And I always take my phone. Um, I always take pictures. So I'll be like, oh, like, I really like that color scheme or I like that pattern um, or I like that, like shadowing. I see my friends should know you can go on a walk with me. I'll be like, hold on, hold on. Boom. And I'll take a picture. All right, let's go. And, and I might save that picture on my phone for a year. Right. And so I've had a friend tell me like, you should print and have a little notebook with sections of like plants, flowers, like clouds. And I was like, that's a, I haven't done it yet. I was like, that's a great idea. (laughs) So like, if you need to do that album in your phone, like organize that, just do those, those little things will bring you joy. And I think they're like little small wins for the day that like, even if I didn't start like picking up my pencil or like my iPad, whatever, procreate, whatever digital form, like, I think that's important to um, just make little goals so you could have your small wins. So you're like that step closer. Um, and then again, like I said, if there are artists that you like, like follow them on Instagram. And I, I always love following like tips, tricks and like techniques. And I was like, oh, I've never thought of painting a, uh, um, I don't know, let's say like a leaf that way. That was really quick. And so you don't have to go to art school. You pull up the YouTube video. Like there are just so many things. And last but not least, if you want to have a conversation, message me on Instagram. I'm happy to have conversations. I've had people reach out to me to ask me, where do you get like prints done? Or like, um, what type of paint do you use? Or how do you keep your paint? Like when you mix your paint, like what do you seal it in? It's okay. Like I'm that person. I will tell you, like, I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh no, it's my way. <laughs> you know, like I'll share it. Cause hopefully like definitely reach out to you, to people. Like they're happy to share tricks. And if they don't respond, don't take it personal, move on, you know, ask someone else. <laughs> That's awesome. So we always end each episode with one tangible takeaway for our listeners, but I feel like you just gave like seven. So is there anything else you want to add of one thing that people can start doing to either improve their communication or their sense of community or just improve their lives? Yeah, I think, um, you know, and and keeping in mind with theme of communication, I said, when you want to do something new, like you don't have to sit there and get validation from somebody. Definitely express yourself when you're ready. I think there's no pressure in needing to share with immediacy, like everything I need to do. If someone asks you questions um, of what's your next step, you could respond with saying, that's a really good question. I don't know yet, but I'll let you know when I like, I'll let you know when I do. Um, I think we just need to be kind to ourselves right now. If we can't find the words, we don't, we just can't find them. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong. Um, I just think it's a moment of us relearning how we're going to communicate and like socialize and ultimately those loved ones 
that are here for us, connect with the ones that we're vibing with. And if we can't vibe with someone right now, we just got to wait for them to catch up to our frequency. I know that sounds very like, you know, <laughs> I know I want to like write that down. That's beautiful. <laughs> I think, I think just uh, be kind to yourself and just be kind to everyone else around you. I think, you know, this is, this is just life right now. And uh, I think if someone needs anyone to talk to just because of so much things that I've seen recently, I mean it when I say like, if anyone wants to reach out, have a conversation, like definitely reach out to me. I'm always there to connect with people and hopefully help them feel good. And we'll find something to be proud of. Like five grateful things. I used to do that with my buddy, Joey, all the time. <laughs> we do that. And well, yes, Joey, we do that at dinner now and it's so nice. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> so right. Where can our listeners find you? Yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram. Um, my handle is Areli, my first name, paint this. Um, and then my website, that's where you could purchase like prints. And then I also make stickers. Um, this past summer I made a towel. Um, that is arelicardenas.com. So my full name and then dot com. And then Facebook is there. Definitely, if that's your thing, I reach out to my audience. It's Areli Cardenas Art. Um you know, catch me on Instagram. That's, that's the main platform that I just stay on. <laughs> and just to vouch, like I do own your art and it's stunning. So, oh, I mean, please go check it out. It's gorgeous. And it's, it tells a story for sure. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank well, you. Thank you so much. It's been a, such a fun and different interview from a lot of the ones that we've done. And it was really fascinating for me to take all this in. So we really appreciate you being here with us today. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Thank you so much.